congregation. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you. All right. What a blessing. Well, today we just read the beginning of the passage we're going to be talking about because it sets it up nicely. We're really going to talk about all of chapter 25, but I thought that was a bit long. Um, David, let's set the scene a little bit. David is, um, remember last time we talked about how he's in hiding. He's running from King Saul. He knows Saul's not done yet with trying to persecute him, trying to kill him. So he's running from Saul. He had a perfect opportunity last week. Remember we talked about, not last week, the time we talked about David last, that he had the perfect opportunity to kill Saul. And he slipped up and he, slipped, he snuck up and cut some of the robe off of Saul while he was using the bathroom and and he was, you know, that ninja David. And, um, and he was able to get in there. Now, David is still hiding from Saul in this passage. And he's not just hiding in caves. He's running into the area of, like, the Philistines. He's fighting with the other armies. He's a mercenary at this time. He's selling his army out to the people that can pay for him. Even at some points fighting against Saul, sometimes fighting for, with Saul, and just who he's a mercenary. And so while he's hiding, he's, he's asked for food from a man named Nabal. Now, Nabal is a name that it means like vile thing or fool in the Hebrew. And so we're like, when you're reading the Hebrew, you like automatically know this is not a good guy. Like, no. Not the person you want to look up to. We're told right away, vile thing, or fool is his name. So we are talking right away, this is not someone we want to, uh, his, it's sheep shearing time, which would have been a festive occasion in which they would gather together, throw a party, gather all the sheep together, and take out their, no, they had to do it with the, by the hand, they, uh, they didn't have shearers like we do today, electric shearers, real quick. No, they had to do it by hand. And they cut the, shear, the, the wool off the, or with knives, scissors and knives, uh, depending on where you're at, what time period. And they're able to cut the, the, the sh- all the, the, the wool off the sheep. They would begin processing it for the winter and make clothes out of, to make rugs out of, to... You know, they didn't have carpet yet, so you had rugs on the ground. And, and so it was getting ready for the winter months and, uh, you know, for the next year's winter months. And, and David is, he goes to Nabal and he says, you know, I, I did not treat any, mistreat any of your men when I was with them. I could have, but I didn't mistreat your shepherds. I didn't steal from you even though we had the opportunity. So he says, so go and, 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 and ask Nabal for a favor, which would have been in the right of the hospitality laws at the time. You, it's not like they could run over to the, the local McDonald's or, or Burger King or something and grab a bite. They, the, within the rights of the law to go and ask for 
um, some food. And, you know, one of, servant, uh, one of the servants would later confirm uh, to Abigail that, that David even, David's men even protected Nabal's shepherds. And so it seems that David cared for Nabal's for some extended time. And so David is actually saying, well, you know, we did this. Why don't you give us some payment in the form of food? And they're not even asking for special supplies. They're just saying, whatever's on hand, let's give this. Now, Nabal is apparently a wealthy man who does seem to be caught up in himself. His name is Nabal, after all. And he's caught up in himself, and he, he, he doesn't know who David is. He, he, he doesn't know that David defeated Goliath. He doesn't know that he's on Saul's most wanted list. He doesn't know that he's been anointed king. He doesn't know all the things we know about, right? We know that he's been sung about. Nabal knows any of that. So what does he do? He turns down David's request. He says, no, I'm not going to give you anything. You didn't have to protect my people. They were fine. You shouldn't be praised for doing what is right. David, David, in fact, feels like he's being harmed. He, like he's, uh, um, his, his rights have been wronged. He's been dishonored. David feels like he's entitled to this food, these supplies. Though nowhere does God say that you need to go get these supplies. Nowhere do they have an agreement that says you will provide supplies. Nowhere do they have any kind of, but David feels like he's been wronged. Now, yes, Nabal is egotistical, refusing to give bread and water. I mean, look at Samuel 25, 11. Let's, let's focus on this. Should I take my bread and my water and the meat I have slaughtered for my own shares and give them to, to men who come from where I don't know? Okay. I take, I slaughter, I give, I know my bread, my water, my meat, my shears, Eight times in that one verse, Nabal mentions himself. If you mention yourself that much in a sentence, you might be egotistical. You might be narcissistic. I'm just throwing that out there. You might have some issues you need to work on. (laughs) And we know that he's an egotistical. I mean, David knows that this man is being focused on himself. But, has David actually been wronged? That's a good question there. Has David actually been wronged? He feels like he's been wronged. I mean, I did all this. Which you did on your own well-being. There was no agreement. David really hasn't been wrong. This man whose name is Nabal was not responsible for giving him anything. Nabal, yes, he was a jerk. But that doesn't mean David was wrong. His pride was hurt. 
Nabal went against the Lord's command to take care of the anointing of the God, yes, but it doesn't even sh- but it doesn't appear that Nabal was even a worshiper of Yahweh. It appears he was a f- worshiper of false gods. And so that command doesn't necessarily apply to him either. And David In his, and I like this, last week he was so, last time we talked about this, he was so like, I will not kill Saul. He says, revenge is God's place. Revenge is God's place. I'm not going to take vengeance out on God. I'm going to turn it over to God. And here in this passage, the next chapter David overacts and says, I'm going to kill Nabal. Revenge is God's in the first, in one chapter. Now revenge is David's. That's the contrast we have in this passage. David has just won this huge victory. And not killing Saul. Trusting God. God, you will take care of this situation. I know it's in your hands. I'm going to leave it up to you. In the next passage, God, I can't trust you to take care of my needs. I'm going to go kill this man and take what I want. He would have had more justified killing Saul. Saul was actively trying to kill him. Saul, David was the new anointing. He was going to be the next king. He has no grounds for killing Nabal other than he doesn't like the action that his man takes. After his greatest victory, David gets thrown off his guard and falls in the faith. That's what this is. It's a fall in the faith. Now, Abigail, his wife, the wife of Nabal, who will actually marry David later on after Nabal's death, no, David does not kill Nabal. Uh, we actually don't know how Nabal dies. There's some conjecture out there, natural causes. Maybe he drinks himself to death. Uh, I've heard some different reports. But um, we know that Nabal will die and Abigail will marry David. But Abigail, who's still married to Nabal in this passage, comes to the rescue. She delivers David from sin. She saves him from sin by stopping him from going overboard. She brings food and water and says, you know what, Nabal did wrong. David, you need to calm down. You're going down the wrong path. I'm paraphrasing. And he begins to see the error in his decision. Now, what I, I notice when I read this passage is how often, and I don't know many of you have been there, your biggest victories, you were strong in faith, you overcome the victory, that time you were tempted, and you overcame it, 
and you were proud of that, that moment when you had that victory moment. How many of you guys can think of that victory moment, right? Yeah? The next moment can be your biggest defeat. This is actually a common theme in the scriptures. For example, uh, Elijah. Remember the prophet Elijah? Calls down fire from heaven, kills Baal's uh, prophets, and then he's hiding in a cave because he thinks he's all by himself in a depressive moment. Our biggest victories can often be surrounded by our lowest points. But in this passage, I see, I see two things really happening here. One, as David is in his lowest point, which we will all be there at points in your life. There are points when you will be at your lowest you might have just had a major victory, maybe, maybe not, but you will be low. That's just part of life, right? I'm not talking about clinical depression here. I'm talking about lows and highs of life. We're all going to be there. Times when your faith is strong and times when your faith is weak. We're all there at times. And so David, David has to do a very difficult thing in this passage. He has to listen has to listen to Abigail. And that's hard to do. Isn't it one of the challenging things we do in our lives is listen to someone else? Because we know we're right. I mean, we know we're right. But listening to someone else, that's challenging. That's hard. We need people around us who help us from falling. We have to be willing to listen to them. We have to be willing to say, are they right? And you know what our first instinct is, right? When someone says, you know what, I think you're following the wrong path here, our first instinct is to get defensive and to get violent. That's usually where our first instinct is. No, we're not. You're a jerk. What do you know about it? I mean, that's our first instinct, isn't it? Whether it be your spouse, or it be a friend, or trusted person. Our first instinct is to say, you know what, I don't want to listen to you. Maybe it's even the Holy Spirit saying, you're wrong. Anyone had the Holy Spirit tell you you were in the wrong? Bible passage, you're reading through it, and it's like, ooh, I don't, let's flip to the page. I don't like that page. And that passage, and you're like, well, God's telling you you're wrong. And our first instinct is to say, no, I'm not. We don't want to be right. David here has to take on the challenge, the struggle of listening. The second thing I see in this passage, really, is Abigail's willingness to go when she knows that something's wrong. Now, I'm not talking about going to someone and being judgmental and 
confronting them and, you know what, you're an idiot. You need to stop listening. You know, you know what, you can't, bear, you can't be a real Christian if you don't. I'm not talking about any of that. Going in love and saying, hey, I'm walking beside you and I'm seeing you. Now, if you don't know someone, don't walk up to them and say, hey, I see you. Why weren't you at the 1030 service? <laughs> nope. If you're, you've got to be in that position of encouragement and, and be able to be willing to be in their lives. And, and that takes you to a point where you have to get out of your own comfort zone. Because our comfort zone surrounds us. We might let one person in. Maybe, maybe not. We have to be willing to say, you know what, I'm going to walk with someone in life and walk together in life. And then I'm going to have to be willing to leave my comfort zone and spend the time and the effort to be with someone else. And we need to be willing to listen. We also have to be willing to go and deliver someone else. We have to be the someone that, that God delivers. We have to be able to listen and speak and knowing when it's time to do both. One of our problems is often we're not listening when we should be listening and we're speaking when we shouldn't be speaking, right? We're raggling our tongues instead of listening. Because I can't hear God if I'm speaking too much. That's why it says be slow to speak, right? Be slow to speak. But we have to be willing to speak when it comes time to speak. A lot of times we're too quick to say, well, I see them doing the wrong thing, so I'm going to go confront them. Go confront them. And then you just lost a friend. Because you weren't listening for the right moment. You weren't listening for the right time. You weren't listening to how it should have been done. You were just going off. You weren't in that relationship. And when we go, we may be the instrument God uses to deliver someone from shame. And there must be this balance in life, and it's hard to strike balance. It really is. It's hard to strike balance because we want to be one or the other, right? Some of you listen too much and are afraid to go and say something. Well, I should say something. I just let them kill themselves. And by that could be physically kill themselves, or it could be something more like they walk that path of destruction, and you just don't tell them, well, I knew you were heading down that path, but I didn't tell you. How many of you have been there, right? You were afraid to tell someone somewhere. You saw they were doing wrong. You knew they should have said something. You knew what the path they were walking down led to destruction, and you said, I don't, not, I'm not going to tell you right now because I'm afraid. I don't want to lose my friend or it's none of my business. Or what it really comes down to is you're afraid. And so some of you listen, but you're afraid to actually go. Now, some of you like to go and rabble that tongue because it makes you feel good. You like to know that be that know-it-all. Some of you 
talk too much and listen too little. And it's as funny as I would look around the room, I see some of you like, that's me, that's me. The other one, that's me, that's me. We have to find the balance in our lives. We have to find balance. We can't help people if we're not listening to the Holy Spirit. Listening to others. But we can't tell anyone if all we do is sit there and listen. Because we're not actually listening that way. We're just hearing. When we're always trying to fix others, it's usually because we can't control our own lives and so we want to put that off on someone else. You never known that person in their life that always wants to fix your life? Their life is usually a mess. There's a, a certain person, I'm not going to tell you his name. Um, when I first met him, very first time I met this man, he told me exactly how I should be living my life and what I should be doing for the next eight years of my life. Eight years! He can't hold down a job for over a year and a half. Every time I talk to this person, because he's still in my life, he tells me something I'm doing wrong. He's almost been arrested twice. A lot of times now, maybe you're not that bad, but when we can't control our own lives, we often try to control other people's lives. We try to control someone else. Because we're trying to fix something in ourselves that we can't fix. Because we're not listening to the Holy Spirit. We're not listening to others. But our goal in life is to be a balance of both. Because we need both. There will be times when you are strong and the person you're walking with will be weak. And there are times when you will be weak and you need someone walking with you that is strong. We need that. And things stop us from, from, from listening. Have you thought what stops you from listening? Pride. Anger. Fear. You like that control feeling? Sin. What stops you from going to someone else? A lot of the times it's the same, same things, right? Fear, anger, sin, comfort. How many times when well, we know we should tell someone else about Jesus, do you know only about one-third of evangelical Christians, that means People in this church, only about one-third of you are actually reading your Bible on a regular basis. And by that I mean less than when I read it to you. More than when I read it to you. Only about a third of you. 
That means less than half of this room. It's hard to listen to God when you're not speaking to Him. Comfort, fear, anger, pride. These things keep us from being in the right. And David here is a wonderful example. It's why one of the reasons I love David so much. He's a wonderful example in our lives. He mirrors us. We can be high one moment, do exactly what God wants us in one moment, and the next, not so much. So our next steps, our next steps, what do we do next with this information? Because it's not just about giving you information. If it was, I'd, we would come on Tuesday nights. I'll give you all kinds of information. What are our next steps? Well, one, we have to evaluate. Am I being too stubborn to listen? Am I hearing people around me? Do I, do I even have people in my life that can speak to me? Have I run them all off? I'm like anyone who tells me anything negative. They, they're, they're a bunch of um, explicitives. Um, I don't like anyone who can... Some of you are that way. You've run off everyone who can speak into your life because you don't like them. You don't want to hear what they have to say. Yeah, some of you are too afraid to go. Some of you, you've got people in your life and you like them being close, but you're not willing to hear them. Are you in balance with this? Some of you can say, yes, I'm in balance, and some of you really can't. Some of you are always right. You know what I know about people that are always right? Usually not. Some of you have to be in control because something else in your life is out of control. Maybe that's where you're at. Father God, right now I pray that you help us to both speak and to listen. Lord, I pray that we are slow to speak, but we do not stop speaking your name. We do not start speaking your truth. That we grow people in our own lives that we can speak into. That we can be walked closely with. Lord, I pray that you bring people into our lives that can speak new life into us when we are feeling like we've lost our way, when we're feeling, when we lose control. I pray that you bring people into our lives that can speak truth. Like Abigail. Lord, I pray that we have the courage that when we are at that point, that we have the courage and, and, and can humble ourselves to say, you know what, I don't know it all. Maybe I am wrong. Maybe I am. And calm down. And walk in your life. Lord, help us to both be listeners and speakers of your word. Listeners and speakers of your truth. Listeners and speakers of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that we must, that we follow after you, Lord. 
Lord, we thank you for David and Abigail that they model behavior that's also familiar for us. Lord, we praise you and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to go to a time of invitation. Praise team, please come.